Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 28 to 33. But to get us there, I've got to give you the context of 28 to 33, okay? So I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 3, and you can read it later, and you can even follow along with me now. But um, I just want to talk a minute about this and where, where we are, what's the context of it. So Peter and John, Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. It would be as is their custom. But it was not only their custom, it was the custom of the day. It would have been what a lot of people who followed God or followed Christ did. So they were on their way. They were going to the Gate Beautiful, which is where they would have entered. On their way to the Gate Beautiful, church, just having conversation, talking, going about their normal thing, there was a collection of people there. There was one man in particular was there. He is a man that had been there many times, many days, many years. The scripture doesn't tell us much about him except that he was lame and that he would come to this place and he would ask for alms. In other words, he was a beggar. He was not able to provide for himself. And so he was there and Peter and John are walking to the temple. I'm sure they've walked by this man many other times, but this day there was an interaction. And the man looked up and he asked for alms. He asked for an offering. He asked for a donation. And Peter turned around and kind of in his style and fashion of bluntness, he just simply looked at the man and said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Get up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and walk. And the man at that moment had faith. The man at that moment stepped up. And not only was his physical life changed, that he was no longer lame, he could walk, but his eternal life was changed because he now had a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter and John didn't think much about it, evidently, because it says that they continued on in to the temple to pray, but the people came following and everybody started noticing, hey, wait a minute, isn't that the lame man that was just standing outside? Isn't he the one that was there and isn't he now walking around? And I feel like that it would have been in this day and time, everybody would have had their cell phone out. Everybody would have been doing the backward selfie, trying to get the man in the picture. They'd have been shooting video to put on TikTok reels, wherever you put it. They would have been doing that because this was such an unusual and unique moment. But in their day, they couldn't do that, so all they did was gathered. And the scripture says that Peter, seizing the moment, realizing the opportunity, gathered under Solomon's portico in a place there close to the temple, and he began to talk to the people. Now, we don't know how many people gathered, but we do know this, that the scripture says that on that day, 5,000 men, not including women and children, gave their heart to Christ. So they... With a divine appointment, they had no idea what was going to happen, seized the opportunity, spoke the message of salvation, explained that salvation came by no other name but Christ, and then this is what Peter began to say, this Jesus whom you rejected, this stone whom you rejected became the chief cornerstone for all that God wants to do and has done and been preparing to do and all that God will do in the future. This cornerstone, the name by which salvation comes, this Jesus, is how this man became healed. It was not by our words. It was not by our elegance. or It was not even by any form of magic. It was simply by a faith in the God who died on the cross for you. People heard 
But now here's the problem. You get 5,000 people together, period. That's one thing. You get 5,000 people, not including women and children, um, who were born again. That's going to get the attention of the establishment. Would you agree with me? People are going to go, what in the world? What's happening here? So they listened, and as they listened, they became indignant. And I really don't know that they were indignant that the man got healed. I'm not even really sure that they were upset that the people found faith in Christ. I think their real misunderstanding or their real disruption was it was messing with their world. It was, it was reordering normal. It was undoing control. It was making people change. People don't like to change. But yet, so many times when God steps into our lives, He transforms. He changes. In fact, the very word repentance says that I was walking this way and there was a moment that I had an encounter with Christ and realizing that I was walking away from Him, I repented and in my repentance I turned and I walked towards Him. That is change. This man had changed. Those people that gathered that day had changed. The, the one group accepted what was needed to happen. The other group resisted. In the first service, I think Pastor Eric said, Lord, I pray that we would pray for people, not pray on people. You see, that's what God is calling us to do. And so now, if we transition out of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, but not quite yet to our passage for this morning, the, the religious leaders met and they said, what in the world are we going to do about this situation? So they had Peter and John arrested. Now, if they were going to pray at three, Peter preached, 5,000 people, not including women and children, got saved. You now know we're late in the day, right? And so being late in the day, it says that they threw them in jail. Overnight, I'm sure that they had meetings and had conversations, but we don't know what those were. But we do know that the next morning that they brought Peter and John out of jail, put them in the room, and said, hey, this can't happen anymore. And Peter in his boldness and John in his presence, they simply told them that this is, is going to happen. This is the name. Who are we to be silent about the one who gave it all? While we were still sinners, he died so that we could have life. Who are we to be these people? They realized, the religious leaders realized that there was not anything that they could do. They realized there was no crime committed. They realized that they had popular opinion on their side. So they said, we really can't do anything, so let's send them out of the room. They send them out of the room, and you can imagine they had a committee huddle, right? What are we going to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Let's do this. Well, you know what? We really can't do anything, so let's just call them back in and tell them not to talk anymore. And that's exactly what the Scripture says. We really can't do anything to you, but what we're going to tell you is this. Don't you ever speak or preach that name again. And Peter... In, verse, in, the, in the passage here, told them, look, what we're doing is what God ordained before the beginning of time. You thought you crucified him, but God gave him. Jesus surrendered himself. You remember when he was in the garden and in the garden and, and Jesus said, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass. But if it's not, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus gave his life. Now, the religious leaders have said we can't do anything to them. They called them in and told them not to speak anymore. 
Peter and John are resolved now more than ever to speak. And it says that they released them. And this will take us to verse 23 of chapter 4. So follow with me now. Because this is how it reads. It says, um, I'm sorry, verse 28. I'm going to skip on down because I talked past 23. Um, on their release, they went back. And it says to us, and it is, I am going to start reading in verse 23, I apologize. On, the, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. What did the elders and the chief priests say to them? Don't talk about Jesus, right? So it says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, in proof of this. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles began to testify, continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So what are we taking away from here? Palmetto Baptist Church, you're in a season of transition. It's such a privilege to be here today with you, filling in for my, my friend Rob, Dr. Rob, as he is away. And I am so grateful that he is here. I'm grateful for your leadership, for your staff. I'm grateful for, for all of those things, but you're in a season of transition. You are searching for and asking God to show you a senior pastor. Lord, who is it that you want to come and lead our church? I really believe that we can take the situation here, apply it to your lives and our lives, and we can understand more about how God wants us to be as a church. So here's the first thing that if you're taking notes, you can write down. When the church prays, the presence of God is perceived. When the church prays, the presence of God is perceived. It says, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. In other words, God was so there that the room shook. Now, I don't know that we're going to have a shaking room this morning, and I don't know what I would do if we did. But I can tell you, we can know about the presence of God. We can feel God's presence. We can experience God's presence. We can read and see what the manifestation of God's presence is. And in this place, it was a physical building that shook, and it was a people who were united. It was a people who were united to say, this is what we're going to do. They were in unison. Now, I want to be clear here. When, I'm, when I use the word unison, everybody gathered together. They didn't disperse, but they came together. They were in the room, and in the room, they were united, and they were praying for one thing. And the Scripture actually tells us what they were praying for. It said that they wanted boldness, and they wanted this boldness in particular to continue, regardless of the threats against them, they wanted the boldness to continue to preach that Jesus and him crucified is the means to salvation and the means to healing of the physical body. 
It's where they were. They were there. He was present. They wanted boldness. They wanted it but in the people. They wanted it in the, in the group. They wanted it for the world. They wanted people to know that Jesus was the answer. And I want to tell you something, Palmetto Baptist Church. Right now in this season, you do need to be gathering together. You need to be assembling in worship. You need to be watching online. You need to be praying, Lord, show us who you want to lead us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It's very easy to say, I'd like for him to be this tall. I'd like for him to be this wide. I'd like for him to be this deep. I'd like for him to have this many children. And there's all of these little things that we can want. But ultimately, and it's actually not even wrong to pray for that, probably. But actually what we want is God greater than I want what I want. I want you to display your will. I want you to display your power. I want you to lead us to the person that is going to take us to the place where we can be bold witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. You see, they were together and they were praying for one thing, God's will. They wanted it and they were there. So when the church prays, the presence of God is perceived, but also when the church prays, the power of God is received. Look at it with me. It goes on and it tells us that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Upon the conclusion of their prayer, the Spirit of God filled every believer gathered in that room. Now, I know this. There are some people in this room this morning that think, well, that would be everybody but me. But I want to tell you something, precious child of God, brother, sister in Christ. That at the moment that you were born again, at that moment that God entered your life, that moment that you repented and turned to him, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit filled you. You got all of God. And the prayer meetings like this don't give you more of God. They just give God more of you. God wants you. He wants all of you. He wants you to, to cry out to him as an individual. He wants you to cry out to him as a body. It says that the power of God was received. They were all filled. Not just the apostles, not just the leaders, not just that person that we think, man, if anybody in this church could hear from God, it would be this person. No, everyone, oldest to youngest. It says they followed. They were there. They were asking. There's something remarkable to me about this incident. And then being filled. Nowhere do I read that they said, Holy Spirit, fill us. God wants to fill you. God's not like this formula waiting just as soon as they say, Holy Spirit, fill me, I'm going to do it. No. The scripture says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things. Well, the anointing, the empowering, the filling of the Holy Spirit is in all of these things. When you seek God, he begins to just give more anointing, more favor, more power, more discernment, more wisdom, more faith. They just prayed for one thing. God, make us bold in the face of threats. Don't let us cower to the culture. Let us rise above it. So when, the, when we pray, the presence of God is perceived. When the church prays, the power of God is received. But I want you to see something that, that kind of led them there. First, they recognize God's sovereignty. Look in verse 24 where it says to us here, when they heard this, and again, what did they hear? The threat. 
What was the threat? Don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Be quiet. Be silent. Go hide under a rock. Get out of here. That was what they heard. And when they heard that, they, they didn't go, oh me. No, they cried, oh God. Oh God. It says that when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And what's the first thing they said? Sovereign God. Sovereign God. We've got to recognize God is sovereign. And they said this. They, they recognized that God is sovereign over creation. Thou art God, sovereign God. You made the heaven. You made the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. All that is in them. See, now, sovereign God, all-powerful God, the God that shook the building and has filled them, didn't just make the stars and the sun and the earth, but he made everything that's in it. So what is the implication here? Hey, God, you made this, you made them. If you made all of this and you made them, you're over them. And so therefore, God, you are in control. And whatever you need us to do, we want to be ready to join you in this mission. So they acknowledged that God was over it all. But then they also said God's in control of all things. Look at verses 26 and 27 where it begins to read, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together and the people of Israel in this city to conspire of your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. God, you're in control of all things. The king stood up and they thought they were in control, but the king stood up and you were still in control. And God, that's the power we want to connect to. God, that's the mission that we do. And I love it. They thought they were doing it, but they, all they were doing was whatsoever you had determined before it to be done. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, whether it's your first Sunday here or your 10,000th Sunday here. God is in control of you. God's in control of your circumstances. There's not anything in your life bigger than God. And you can trust him in this moment. You can follow him personally. You can follow him corporately. And there may be things that want to pull you back. There may be things that upset you. There may be things that have derailed you. Choices you made or choices that have been made about you. But God is in control. These people said, sovereign God, you are who we're looking at. Sovereign God, we want to follow you. You see, we don't only need to recognize that he is sovereign, but we also need to recognize that we are his servants because verse 29 tells us this. Now, Lord, consider their threats. In other words, let's don't ignore the threats. Let's consider them. Let's look at really what's going on. There really is a consequence, potential consequence here to following you, God. So I want to consider them and I want to know the height and the depth of them. But Lord, I want to consider this. And then we want you to enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. We're his servants. You see, they were in submission to God with their circumstances. Now I want to tell you, that can be the easiest thing in the world. It can be the most difficult thing in the world. See, if my circumstances are good, what do I do? Woo, God is good. And how good, how long is God good? All the time, right? But man, when my circumstances turn against the way that I really preferred them to go, now all of a sudden, it's like, God, what are you doing and why are you doing it to me? 
God, why are you letting this happen? But these people, these people, the one that were there at Solomon's portico, these faithful followers, these disciples whose lives had been threatened, and these people, they're saying, God, regardless of the circumstances, you're sovereign. God, regardless of whoever's going on, we're your servants. We want to follow you. So they recognized it. They submitted to the circumstances. They submitted to the, to the call, to the commission. And what is the commission? The commission is the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Teach them and baptize them. All that I've commanded you. In other words, what he said was, I want you to look at somebody and say hello. And I want you to say hello and walk with them on a long journey till they can stand and walk with God on their own. And then what happens? They repeat the cycle. And then what happens? They repeat the cycle. And that is what he's saying. We, God, we don't want to just be bold for a moment. We want to be bold for a lifetime because we want to follow your calling on us. Their prayer brought a fresh supply of the power of God. They acknowledged God. They submitted to him. They committed to his redemptive purpose. I want to tell you this morning, if you will submit to the purpose of God, if you will surrender to the power of God, God will fill you with his Holy Spirit. Now you say, is that a one-time thing? No, salvation's a one-time thing. That's a relationship. What I'm talking about is fellowship. 32 years ago, Gail became my wife. But every day, 32 years past that, she's had to make the decision to continue to exist as my wife. That's fellowship. And it's the same thing with God. You're going to make the decision to follow God if you already have. If you haven't, I pray that before we leave today that you would give your heart to Christ. But that's a relationship. But the fellowship is going to come every day in the failure, in the disappointments, in the victories, in the moments that you are proud, in the moments that you're your most humble. God, I want to submit to your sovereignty and I want to surrender to your purpose. He's speaking to them. But look, when people pray, the power of God is, the presence of God is perceived. When people pray, the power of God is received. But when people pray, the purpose of God is achieved. Look, keep reading because it says, and they spoke with boldness. Now, Lord, consider their threats, verse 29, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name. After they play, prayed, the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. When a person is filled, we're bold about Christ. When a church is filled... We're bold about Christ. Now, now listen to me, what bold is. Bold is not just walking off the property and telling somebody you attend Palmetto Baptist Church. Bold is not just walking up to somebody and saying, and sharing the gospel with them or, or letting them know you read your Bible. That is bold, don't get me wrong. But bold is also submitting yourself to God's control. They were bold. They knew what was going to happen with the religious establishment. They knew what was going to happen with the um, Roman government. In fact, they were killed. One was exiled, one was killed. That's what was going to happen. But they said they kept on doing it. That's boldness. So they 
achieve. What did they achieve? They, they gave witness. In other words, they carried the idea of repaying the debt, fulfilling an obligation. Um, he paid a debt I did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. That's when I was born again. But now, as I am born again, I go and work for the glory of the one who redeemed me so that others might know that he is God. He is Christ. They gave of themselves. They spoke with boldness. They, they fulfilled the obligation. They carried out the operation. And then people, they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And it says that people continued to be saved. Church, we must go to our knees. We must go to our knees individually. We must go to our knees as an, as an organization or a, a body of believers. And especially so now. You need to be praying for your transitional pastor, Rob. You need to be praying for your search committee. You need to be praying for, for groups that are working on other things that are going on in the life of your church right now. You need to say, Lord, this is the opportunity. We're at the fork in the road. We can hear you and we can follow you and we can receive your blessing or we can choose the fork in the road that goes what's comfortable or our way and God will miss you and God, we don't want to miss you. We want to hear you. Does it take work? Oh, it takes a lot of work. Does it take sacrifice? It takes sacrifice. Does it cause me to surrender? Absolutely, it does. We were having a conversation with our son this week, and he was talking to someone who did not know his story, our story, and some of the things. And the person kind of corrected him. And, and, and he said, you know, they didn't know my story. They didn't know where I'd been. They didn't know what it had cost. There is a cost. And then he said, but you know, I think I'd do it again. And it may not have been exactly in those words, but he was grateful. I want you on the other side of this journey that, that God allowed. I don't understand everything about why he allows what he does, but I know it happened. So he allowed it because he could have stopped it. So you're here. And now you have the opportunity to say, and we go forward. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to close the service this morning. I'm going to pray for you. And then not only am I going to pray for you as a church, but I want to pray, us to pray for each other as individuals. I want us to cry out, Lord, would you, with the person to my left and the person to my right, God, would you bind us together so that we'll gather in unison and God, that we'll gather in unity to cry out to know your will. But then I just simply want you to pray this also. Father, if the person sitting to my left or my right does not know you as Savior, and this morning is a divine appointment, God knew before you were born you were going to be here today. So God, if the person to my left or my right does not know you as Savior, Lord, would you point that out to them and would you give them boldness to come up and say, I, I don't know how or, or whatever, but I want today to know you. So Father, we bow our heads this morning. God, I pray for this church. I thank you for the, for the leadership that, are, that is in membership. And I thank you for the leadership that's on the staff. I thank you for the things that you're working in preschool and children and youth. God, I thank you for the events and the, the, the victories of VBS and the, the luncheons that'll happen with senior adults. God, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you connected Rob to this church. And Lord, we pray for him as he leads, that he would be wise, that he would be able to communicate, that he would understand the times and know what to do. Lord, I pray for the, the church, the search committee, and the other leaders. Lord, that there would be unison, they'd come together. That there would be unity, that they would come together for the purpose, that Jesus Christ would be glorified. That your will and purpose would be accomplished. 
But Lord, I do pray for the people to our left and our right. God, this morning, if there's not a certainty of a relationship with you, God, through your son, Jesus Christ, that this morning that we could correct that, that we could make that transition, that we could go from death to life, from, from defeat to victory. And Lord, I pray for each person to our left and our right this morning that we would be willing to surrender to the, the will of God. Lord, that we would be softened and, and malleable to you, that you could shape us into the type of person that you want us to be. Lord, I thank you for the victory of the cross, that while we were still sinners, that Jesus, you came and you lived perfect and you died completely and you rose victoriously. Lord, would you speak to us this morning? And if we don't even know what that sounds like or means, God, would you just communicate through however you choose? that you're speaking to me, you're speaking to us.